to attract assassins' bullets. A successful IT billionaire with a shady past and alleged mob connections. Rumour had it that his company, Fish and Chips, had made it to the top on the back of stolen research. Of course, nothing was ever proved. Not that Chicago's district attorney hadn't tried. Several times. A waitress wandered over, giving them a dazzling smile. Hello there, young man. Would you like to see the children's menu? A vein pulsed in Artemis's temple. No, mademoiselle, I would not like to see the children's menu. I have no doubt the children's menu itself tastes better than the meals on it. I would like to order a la carte. Or don't you serve fish to miners? The waitress's smile shrank by a couple of molars. Artemis's vocabulary had that effect on most people. Butler rolled his eyes, and Artemis wondered who would want to kill him. Most of the waiters and tailors in Europe, for a start. Yes, sir, stammered the unfortunate waitress. Whatever you like. What I would like is a medley of shark and swordfish, pan-seared on a bed of vegetables and new potatoes. And to drink? Spring water. Irish, if you have it. And no ice, please, as your ice is no doubt made from tap water, which rather defeats the purpose of spring water. The waitress scurried to the kitchen, relieved to escape from the pale youth at table six. She'd seen a vampire movie once. The undead creature had the very same hypnotic stare. Maybe the kid spoke like a grown-up because he was actually five hundred years old. Artemis smiled in anticipation of his meal, unaware of the consternation he'd caused. "'You're going to be a big hit at the school dances,' Butler commented. "'Pardon?' That poor girl was almost in tears. It wouldn't hurt you to be nice occasionally. Artemis was surprised. Butler rarely offered opinions on personal matters. "'I don't see myself at school dances, Butler.' Dancing isn't the point. It's all about communication. Communication, scoffed young Master Fowl. I doubt there is a teenager alive with a vocabulary equal to mine. Butler was about to point out the difference between talking and communicating when the restaurant door opened. A small, tanned man entered, flanked by a veritable giant. John Spiro and his security. Butler bent low to whisper in his charge's ear, "'Be careful, Artemis. I know the big one by reputation.' Spiro wound through the tables, arms outstretched. He was a middle-aged American, thin as a javelin, and barely taller than Artemis himself. In the eighties, shipping had been his thing. In the nineties, he made a killing in stocks and shares. Now it was communications.' He wore his trademark white linen suit, and there was enough jewellery hanging from his wrists and fingers to gold-leaf the Taj Mahal. Artemis rose to greet his associate. Mr. Spiro, welcome. Hey, little Artemis Fowl, how the hell are you? Artemis shook the man's hand. His jewellery jangled like a rattlesnake's tail. I'm well. Glad you could come. Spyro took a chair. Artemis Fowl calls with the proposition. I would have walked across broken glass to be here. The bodyguards appraised each other openly. Apart from their bulk, 
The two were polar opposites. Butler was the epitome of understated efficiency. Black suit, shaven head, as inconspicuous as it was possible to be at almost seven feet tall. The newcomer had bleached blonde hair, a cut-off T-shirt, and silver pirate rings in both ears. This was not a man who wanted to be forgotten or ignored. Arno Blunt, said Butler. I've heard about you. Blunt took up his position at John Spiro's shoulder. Butler? One of the butlers? he said in a New Zealand drawl. I hear you guys are the best. That's what I hear. Let's hope we don't have to find out. The Spyro laughed. It sounded like a box of crickets. <laughs> oh, no, please. We are among friends here. This is not a day for threats. Butler was not so sure. His soldiers...